I hope to only need to do this one more time, but it is likely we will spend the entire show on what's going on with Brett Kavanaugh and the Supreme Court and what should happen next. We will do that, and I hope some more, on today's Corey Truax Show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening, and I think you would agree, the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. I have often, on the show, tried to be the guy who finds other things to do. Like the whole world is talking about one thing, and I find that thing to be vapid and meaningless, and so I'd go out and try to find something that no one else is talking about to be interesting. These last three episodes, I just have to admit, what the entire world is talking about is what matters. And so we're going to spend, I hope this is the last time we'll do this, and get on to other things. And man, I would love to get back to some more theology stuff that we were doing, but this matters. The lessons that come out of what's going on with Brett Kavanaugh matter, and so we're going to spend another show on it today. But first, my name is Corey Truax. We are dedicated here to better, smarter, deeper talk about everything. Specific right now, it's just going to be about Brett Kavanaugh and all the all the different emanations thereof. I am also the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets at Greenville High School in downtown Greenville at 1030 on Sunday mornings. You are cordially invited. I struggled with the order in which to say these things. I wrote down five sentences, or at least five points, uh, with a bunch of sub-points. I rarely do that. Uh, some of you that listen to this show regularly will go, No, you're telling me you don't write down points and you just talk at the top of your head? We could have never imagined. Yeah, I know that's how this probably sounds. Uh, and it's because I ruminate. All week long, I, I listen to the news, a lot of NPR, a lot of podcasts, and just go through that filter of my worldview. And I think about it all week, and I know what I want to say. I finally get to the microphone, and then I say it all. But I thought it was important to write down some things. And again, I'm struggling with the order in which I'm going to say them. But I've settled on it. I've settled on that order. And so here we go on what's going on with Brett Kavanaugh, Christine Blasey Ford, and whether or not he should be confirmed to the Supreme Court, and also some broader conversations that this has caused. So first, I find that Christine Blasey Ford and Brett Kavanaugh, that both of their stories are at least equally problematic. And if we were going to have to choose one that seems more credible, I would go with Brett Kavanaugh. But, stick with me, yeah, I can get that it's equally problematic. I I read some sources that found uh, some... I think fairly easy to explain discrepancies in his testimony. I think some of that's a little nitpicky when he was when he was there. But if we're going to hold the two up against each other, I'll just call them equally troubling. So whatever problems you might have with Brett Kavanaugh's testimony, I can just I can tell you I am troubled by her inability to keep the timeline straight. That she says early eighties, or then she and she says in another place that it was her late teens, and then. It was uh, that she said four different things at different times. And this is something that the, the prosecutor that asked her questions at the, at the hearing brought out. Like, this is a problem that we got, we got late teens, mid-teens, early 80s, late 80s, mid-80s, that all of these things have been said. Does that mean she's lying? No, it doesn't mean she's lying. Does it mean she's, she's just a Democratic shill? No, no, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that if you're asking me, because she's given me this, I should have started here. There's two different standards that's at work. If you're asking me this standard, will you believe me? Do you believe this terrible thing happened? 
And I will say to Christine Blasey Ford, yes, I do. I believe you. I believe a terrible thing happened. But then there's a second standard. Will you take what I've said, and are you willing to take action against this man? Are you willing to hurt this man, Brett Kavanaugh, for what I've told you? Those are two different standards, and she meets the first standard for me. I believe you. I want you to get justice. I want whoever did this to you. I want that to be solved somehow. But you have not met the standard of, I want you to hurt this man. I want you to take something from him as recompense for what happened to me. When the two testimonies are put up against each other, I can fi- I find, I can believe you, but I can't believe you enough to hurt the other person. There's just too much missing in that timeline. It's, it's pro- it is problematic about the, the therapy notes having, there were four guys, uh, the, four guys in the room, and she says, well, no, my therapist got it wrong. I, I said four people, four guys at the party, uh, and two guys in the room. I, I can even mark that off and say, okay, so that's fine. I, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to say, yeah, she, her therapy screwed up. That, that, that's, that's fair to me to even do that. But that would require, I think, the other people who are anti-Kavanaugh to be fair to him. Where, and ha- have some kind of, uh, where you assume both people are telling the truth the best you can. Or at least tr- trying to be truthful. For her, it's, it is still a problem that Leland, Ki- you know, Leland Kaiser, this friend of hers, I want to be sensitive here, but Leland Kaiser made a statement that contradicts itself. This is the friend that Christine Blasey Ford says was the other girl at the party. And Leland Kaiser says these two things. I believe her. I believe Christine Blasey Ford. Also, I don't know who Brett Kavanaugh is, and I've never been at a party with him. I, and I get that can be explained away. Well, it wasn't significant to her, so she forgot. She forgot about the party because nothing bad happened to her at the party, so she never remembered it. But you take those two different statements. One is, I believe her. The other is, I don't know who Brett Kavanaugh is and I've never been to a party with him. One of those is emotional and one of those is factual. Leland Leland Kaiser makes an emotional statement. I believe her. She's my friend. But then she gets to to the statement that is more important here. But I don't remember a party like this. I don't even know who Brett Kavanaugh is. P.J. Smith, the other, he, he testified to the FBI this week. No, I don't even remember a party like this ever taking place. Does any of that mean she's lying? Nope, it does not. It does not mean that she is lying about being sexually assaulted. It does not mean she's an actress, uh, that she's been, you know, there's conspiracies floating around. Like there's a, My side needs to understand what arguments don't matter. For example, it doesn't matter that it seems like there's a picture of her floating around the Internet with Bill Clinton that, at some point in the past. That doesn't matter. It doesn't mean she's lying. I think the uh, the video going around of Sheila, Sheila Jackson Lee, the congresswoman, Democratic congresswoman from Texas, she's handing an envelope to Christine Blasey Ford's attorneys. Yeah, I agree that looks weird. It doesn't mean that Christine Blasey Ford's lying, though. Like, but we got to keep our argument straight. And the problem, the, the, the reason I can't get her to that second standard, I believe her, I believe her testimony that what she described took place. But that second standard, are, are you willing then to take action against someone? Are you willing to take my take the evidence I've provided and hurt someone else? No, I can't. I'm sorry. And I mean that I am sorry. But the story is not tight enough. There's just not enough there. There's enough for me to believe you. There's not enough for me to take what you've said and hurt someone else. P.J. Smith was another guy at the party. I think I just said that. He testified this week as well. So n- number one, I 
respect those that say, you know, Brett Kavanaugh had some of these problems in his testimony. You know, he said, I'll just give you one. He said he's never been to a party like the one that Christine Blasey Ford went to, uh, describes. Well, of course that's not true. I mean, you, you seem to have gone to a lot of parties. Now, that's, I don't think that's what he meant. Uh, let me get, be more clear here. It is, of course, the case that when he was a teenager, Brett Kavanaugh showed up at a house and had a party where there would have been a few guys and a couple girls and had some beers. That's, of course, of course that happened. So when he says, I never went to a party even like the one she describes, well, that's not true, man. But I don't think that's what he's saying. He, I think it, you, you have to want to read it that way to get that claim. I think what he's saying is this particular party didn't happen. I think he used the wrong word, saying, I didn't go to a party like this one. And so he's saying, I didn't go to a party where a rape took place. I didn't go to a party where... I mean, he's saying that these events didn't happen. That's my reading of him. Maybe I'm giving him too much the benefit of the doubt, and you guys are giving him the, the right amount. But there's too many holes that I, I feel bad for, because I do... I want to... It is my heart that she would get justice for whatever's happened to her. But she's not providing me enough to get her justice. She's not providing me enough to punish punish this particular person for what she said happened. We can go through the re- I mean, I could go through the rest of it. I mean, her testimony's been picked apart like crazy in terms of location. And that's another thing that's changed in her story over over the years. It's changed uh, that the the house wherever this party was was a was fairly close to her house and that ends up being fairly close to somewhere else. It's actually really far from her house, which brings up you know, how do you get back? And, you know, that that's someone I would love to have heard from, right? I would love to hear from the person who drove her home. These these are people that I hope the FBI searched for. Just, you know, in that, er, in that era, does anyone remember picking up this, this girl and after a party or something? My point here being that there is the inclination for, quote, both sides to believe one or the other. And I, w- I want to be as charitable as possible to say, that neither one of those is irrational, that they have good reasons to believe the person. They also have some problems to to solve. But, you know, the, the baseball analogy, and I hate using sports analogies, especially baseball, because I don't like baseball. But in baseball, the tie goes to the runner. That's what they say. The tie goes to the runner. If the ball arrives at first base at the same time the runner does, if it's a tie, well, the runner gets it. Uh, it it's safe. Uh, in football, if both the defensive player and the offensive player both make the catch, so the ball's in the air, they both go up and grab it, they both come down with it, well, the offense gets the catch. They, they get to keep the ball. In this same way, the person who's asking me to hurt the other is going to have to... That's at least my standard. My standard is, who's asking me to hurt the other? And she's asking me to hurt him. He's not asking me to hurt her. And so, the tie goes to the runner. The tie goes to the accused. And I think it would be healthy in Western civilization even, even in these situations, not in a criminal proceeding. It's healthy that the tie go to the accused, not the tie go to the accuser. That really can, if you go back in Western civilization, that leads to some dangerous things. I've not been all that comfortable with my side and some of the uh, illustrations they've given. Like Emmett Till has come up. In, if you're out there on the left, you've probably not known this. Out in the conservative media, Emmett Till has been a big thing this week because Emmett Till was a black man falsely accused and he ends up being killed. And it's determined later, obviously shown, that he he did not do what he uh, what he was punished for. He was he was murdered, for, and it was all a false claim. 
against him. And there's been a bunch, that's been another thing in conservative media this week, is here's a bunch of stories of men who were falsely accused and DNA later exonerated them. And I'm not a fan of necessarily all the language that's been used there. But this, this first point, when it comes down to who do you believe, I think they both have their own problems. But if, if they are equally credible, and I think that's fair, guys. If you're pro-Kavanaugh or anti-Kavanaugh, I think it's fair to say she has enough problems to at least call them equally credible. The tie needs to go to the accused. I wrote down four more things. I'm going to have to go faster to get through all of them, but we are going to get started on those and probably nothing else. To continue on with Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court nomination and some things we can learn from this process. We'll do that when we come back for the rest of the Corey Act Show. Welcome back into the Corey Act Show. I certainly invite you and hope you will accept the invitation to go find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, or some combination of those. Uh, click follow, click like, whatever of those. Uh, and always get in touch with the show. Whatever feedback you have, it is highly encouraged. It's appreciated. Uh, I think I said last week, you know, someone provided, oh, it was Wesley, provided me a story. I'm always appreciative when you do my work for me. So first, on this Kavanaugh process, when it comes to the thing that he was originally accused of from Christine Blasey Ford, I find them to be at least credible. And in that situation, at least equally credible, excuse me, in that situation, the tie needs to go to the accused. And so I can't hurt him, cannot keep him from this, from what she provided. It wasn't enough. Number two, this can, however, this whole process can and probably should recognize a broader problem. So I had one good friend who who was making the argument to me that, Corey, you've just not lived enough. You grew up in a missionary household, went to Christian schools, Christian college. You just don't know that a lot of stuff goes down like this out there. And I've heard some stories from multiple people that the bottom line is this. There are a lot of women out there with stories like Christine Blasey Ford's. And some worse, some, some that will rip at your heart. That's that's true. Things happening to girls when they are young, taken advantage of, and then a, a power dynamic that leads to them being encouraged to be quiet because uh, you don't want to hurt this guy's life. You know, I, I was reminded of something that I, I reconciled a long time ago. I, I did grow up, I think, in a Southern Christian ethic that said to girls, in all ways... Men lead, except one, you have to lead sexually because men can't be, and especially young boys, they can't be expected to control themselves. Uh, So you've got to be a protector of boys by how you behave and how you dress and how you adorn yourself. Well, that's insane. That's, that's a, it's, it's an idiotic thing to, a burden to place on a girl. And she needs to have the burden of uh, modesty, especially from a Christian perspective. But no, gentlemen, control yourselves. You're not ruled by your hormones. We're Especially, again, in a Christian ethic, we would be teaching boys, you're not ruled by the flesh, you're ruled by the spirit. But that's an ethic in which I grew an ethic in which I grew up. And that needs to be corrected. And where we're not talking about directly Kavanaugh and Ford, when we're leaving them out of this part, it's true that we had a, we had a problem. It's true that there's a lot of women, and maybe, ha- not maybe, and, we, and have a problem, that... What happened to Christine Blasey Ford is likely more common than any of us can recognize. And 
it's it's really only in that way that it connects directly to Ford and Kavanaugh. The argument, I guess, being made there is be this is way more common than you know, and because it's more common, this particular claim should be viewed more credibly. And I can even get put that in the column for Ford. I can put in the column to her advantage. You know, this happens a lot more than I thought, uh, and so it needs to be given an investigation. It needs to be given an extra word. Now, that doesn't change the end calculus. The end calculus is there's not enough. The fact that it is common, and I, it appears to me way more common than I could have ever known, is still not enough for her to get a, a punishment assigned to him. And so this can and should drive us to address the fact that there there is a larger problem with how we've handled women being abused in the past. And something else I didn't necessarily learn, it was just reiterated to me over this last week. Uh, churches, you got to do a better job on this. There's some actually good training coming out of the Southern Baptist Convention now on how to handle it when someone comes forward with a claim. Uh, but there, there is, uh, I, have an, I have another friend who brings up to me that the Southern Baptist Convention specifically, that God knows how many stories are out there from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s of really horrible things that happened to girls that a lot of people have been kept, have kept quiet uh, because culturally there was, there really was something different about how I don't know, girls viewed as, as maybe property in some ways. My point here being, and we'll move on, it does not affect, ultimately, how the Kavanaugh and Ford thing turn out, except in that something in her favor is these events are somewhat, it seems, common. It doesn't affect the outcome of who I believe, because she has not provided me enough, but it should drive us to recognize there is a broader problem on sexual assault. We can address that. It just doesn't affect what happens in the end with Ford and Kavanaugh. So number one, Their stories are at least equally credible, and the tie should go to the accused. It can drive us to discuss a broader issue. Number three for me, this has revealed even further how bad we are at thinking, how bad the American people are at thinking in a straight line. We are not good at determining what the truth is. So I will first start by criticizing my side on that. It seems like my side believes because Democrats are behaving badly in this, that that means Christine Blasey Ford is lying. That's not true. That's bad thinking. These are things that can be concurrently true. Democrats can be using her, and she can be telling the truth. And they are using her, to be clear. They don't care about her. The moment that this is over, they're not going to talk about her ever again. They don't care about her. Especially if they don't get the outcome they want. Yeah, she's, she's not an entity. She's not even a human being to Senate Democrats. She's a a tool. She's a way to try to get this delayed. And without a doubt, the the tactics here about delay and investigate and all that, that is, that's just a tactic to try to hold a seat open. They don't care about all this. All that's true. It doesn't mean she's lying. It just means that they're behaving badly. And there's been thinking, there's been thinking like that on both sides, where it appears the arguments are, here's some other things that are true, and therefore, Kavanaugh's... Like, there's another one. Kavanaugh appears to be someone who has got an alcohol... Uh, he's got an alcohol habit that he's had for a long time. And so, therefore, I'm going to conclude that he blacked out and did something he doesn't remember. All right, well, 
that's I guess you can do that if you want. I don't think it's fair to him. I don't think it would be fair to me if you did it to me. I don't think it's fair for me to do that to you. That if you have a, a you have a drinking issue, it seems like that. I mean, he's never been to rehab or anything. He would not admit to having a drinking problem. So if, it's not just consider you. You've been accused of something, and you actually didn't do it. That's just something that if you're on the left, you actually have to stop for a minute and go, well, what if he didn't do it? That's actually a possibility. There's a possibility here that this guy actually did not do this to her. And you're being accused of something you didn't do. And then I just say, well, you know, you I've seen you drinking before. What if you were drinking and you blacked out? You don't even remember that you did it. What if that's true? That's not logical either the same way that Democrats are behaving this way and therefore she's lying. Well, that's not good. That's not how this works either. Even broadly on the other end, the, the fact that something I just admitted, this stuff seems to be common. That these things happening to girls is common. Well, that matters. That matters a ton. It doesn't mean that she's telling the truth. And those things have to be separated. It, it can be part of our calculus. We can include, well, it's not on its face insane that this would happen because it happens all the time. Well, it's okay, so we should consider this. Let's go look at her actual claims. And then her claims aren't are not strong enough to, again, meet that requirement, meet that burden that I've set. Is you're, you're asking me to hurt somebody. you got to give me more to hurt somebody. And so this is revealed even further. We're not good at thinking. Uh, we, we are a partisan people. Uh, we, we make our decisions really quickly, and then we defend them no matter what. Uh, and then we will make arguments about other things and connect them to our, our chief point. Really, ultimately, if the, if the argument is he doesn't belong in the Supreme Court because he did this to Christine Blasey Ford, we need to focus just on that. The, the prosecutor who asked her questions during the hearing, that woman from Phoenix, Arizona, she did, a, I think, a political thing. I think a lot of folks were confused about her strategy. She asked very few questions about the actual night in question. She asked very few questions about the actual assault in question. The reason we know about the assault is because that is what Christine Blasey Ford chose to, not just chose, I mean, she was there to say it. That's what she covered in her opening statement. The questions from the prosecutor were about the polygraph and who paid for it, who's paying for your lawyers and how'd you fly here. And it was trying to hurt her credibility, but she was actually trying to reveal to Republicans that she coordinated with Democrats. And that's true. She, she coordinated, she first went to a Democratic congressperson. She went to a Democratic senator. That's who she went to. She was trying to show Republicans in those questions she's a coordinated person with the Democrats. Now, that, again, that doesn't mean she's lying. The only thing that we should, if, if your argument is he shouldn't be on the Supreme Court because he did this, well, we need to just examine what is true about that claim, these allegations, the where, when, and the if of this took place. And again, on, on that, it's not, I want to believe her. I believe something did happen to her. But she's not giving me enough to believe these specific claims against him. It's not that her story is not just uncorroborated. With, with the people she's saying were there saying they weren't there, even her friend, that's not just a lack of corroboration. That's actually a refutation. It's refuting it. I'm trying to be gentle there, but that's, that's the reality of where we sit on on this matter. Okay, so, number one, their stories are at least equally credible and the tie should go to the accused. This can drive us, and should, to talk about a broader issue of sexual assault. We are a broken people, number three, on being able to 
argue clearly and figure out what is true and being focused. We're really, really bad at that. Now, four. There are acceptable reasons to argue against him. There are acceptable reasons to be against Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, and I have t total respect for those that have these. I disagree with them, but I have total respect. For example, if you're just honest and you say, I don't think he should be on the Supreme Court because I don't like his philosophy and his rulings. The way he thinks about the Constitution is not the way I think about the Constitution, and he shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. Okay, that's fine. You can oppose him for that. Now, you shouldn't, you can't, it's immoral, it's wrong to take your philosophical disagreement with him and then decide to use a, a sexual assault claim to, dis to discredit him. You can't do that. You can't use the sexual assault thing conveniently. Just like, oh man, I disagree with his f judicial philosophy. I sure am glad this woman's accusing him so that he can be eliminated. You can, you can oppose him for that reason. That's fine. I disagree with you. I, I don't totally agree with his judicial philosophy. I, for example, I don't think he's a guy who would overturn Roe. I don't. Hearing some of his answers on that, I don't think he's a he's a vote for that. I think he gets the uh, executive power questions wrong. He, he's good enough. He's good enough. And at this point, just for the sake of process, I want to see him confirmed. I'm, I'm going to finish up with that more fully, but. In any event, if you don't like his philosophy and his rulings, that's fine. You can oppose him for that. Another one, that if you thought he was too political or too emotional in his in his part of the hearing they did, I, I disagree with you, but I, that's at least something respectable of an argument. I do want to respond to it, see if I can convince you, but one of the arguments I'm seeing out there is he's not, it shouldn't, he shouldn't be eliminated from the Supreme Court because of the Blasey Ford allegations, he should be eliminated from the Supreme Court because the way he acted. Because someone that emotional and someone that had that kind of political political language talking about the Clintons and the Democrats, well, he's not a fair-minded person to put on the judiciary. Just a couple responses to that. One, at some level, it's nice that someone broke the veneer that these aren't all political. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a radical leftist. That's who she is. And um, Thomas, not Thomas Sewell, uh, his name is the Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas is a right winger. He's very politically right wing. None of them are fair, judicial minded people. They're all political. That's this is the that's the nature of our judiciary. Now we can change the nature of the judiciary. That'd be great. Going back to Marbury versus Madison, if we can rethink judicial review itself. Great, let's fix the judiciary. But it is political. That's the case. That's how this works. Uh, and it's always been that way. You just Maybe he revealed it. But then also the emotional part. I, I really resent this argument. Again, if, if that's your argument, okay. I, I disagree with you and I resent the argument. And here's why. Literally every Democrat, when they were asking questions of Blasey Ford, all ten of them on the committee, at some point in their, quote, questioning, said, I believe you. Dr. Ford, I believe you. I be over and over again. With all that she... Th she's not provided enough to be outright believed that it's Brett Kavanaugh. She's... I I'm affording her belief that something bad happened, but not that it's Brett Kavanaugh. And then Brett Kavanaugh walks into a room where 10 people have just said, I believe Brett Kavanaugh's a violent race rapist. Yeah, he held it together way better than I did. Like I, d I don't think I'd had any tears... But I'd have been breathing fire at those guys. You just believe I'm a rapist? You just believe it. She said it, so you believe it. That's it. That's where we're sitting. 
Okay. Yeah, I would have breathed so much more fire at those folks because that's not fair. It's not a fair process. And he is being, again, for a second, if you're out there on the left and you think he's guilty, for a minute, here's a real possibility. He's totally innocent. It's a real possibility. And he is, his life is being destroyed before his eyes because he had the temerity to accept a nomination to Supreme Court. I would have been way more angry. And it, to me, it makes, no, it, it makes no statement on his ability to be impartial and consider those questions. If that is your argument, that's fine. I don't think he was too political. I don't think he was too emotional. I think it was totally appropriate for, for him to, to act the way he did. It actually encouraged me that he wasn't, if, if, if he's innocent, I, I want you to be that way. And, and let's not pretend it wouldn't have been the other direction because, again, this doesn't make any statement about Blasey Ford. Don't get confused. Don't be a typical American and get confused. If he would have been stoic and calm, let's be clear about what Democrats would have done. Well, that's the, uh, that's the, the behavior of a sociopath. You would think that if somebody had accused you of rape, you would have a little bit more of an emotional response than his stoicism. Let's not pretend that wouldn't be the case. Literally, no matter how he acted, if you were already inclined to believe he was guilty of this, you would have seen whatever he did as evidence. You would have seen whatever demeanor he showed as evidence that you were right because that's how the American brain works. You just look for confirmation of what you already think. So no... I, I can respect that argument. I just agree with it totally, that his behavior in that hearing is what should disqualify him. And then if you think that his life has just shown too many... Uh, here's just an argument I'm hearing. His life seems to feature a lot of alcohol. I think, that should, I think that's unbecoming for a Supreme Court justice, and I don't think we can trust him because of that. I disagree with you, but okay. It, it, at least it's not... Well, actually, here's the number five. So the number four there was, there are acceptable reasons to argue against him. And if yours is, well, I just think he's probably an alcoholic. Uh, okay, I disagree. Here's the f- number five my, five, my fifth thing, was the reasons that are unacceptable to oppose him. So you, if you want to say it's because he's an alcoholic, you think he is, okay, here's what you can't do. If you're just sure he did this to Ford, if you're sure that he's done everything he's accused of, I think you're being a partisan, you're not being a thinker. I think you're just making assumptions for some reason. I don't know what your motivation is. I hate when people judge my motivation. I won't judge yours. But if you're just sure everything you've heard about him is true, I think, you, I think you're being lazy intellectually. And it's an unacceptable reason to oppose him. That you, If you think there's even a... This doesn't even meet preponderance of evidence. Like there's a, There are burdens to reach here. And she's not, she's not met. Blazy Ford's not met. These burdens. And here's another one that I, I want to be as gentle as I can. You know what? I'm going to tease it. Let me tease that for you. Let me come back. There is another reason that it's not okay to be opposing him. I think it's destructive all the way around. And it has to do with those women that accosted Jeff Flake. The ones that accosted Jeff Flake in the elevator. Uh, I've got some thoughts on them. And it's another reason that it's it's not acceptable to oppose him for that. We will get to that. And I think that'll be my final point when we come back on the Corey Truax Show to finish off this discussion of Brett Kavanaugh and his nomination to the Supreme Court. Stick with us. The 
thank you for coming back for the remainder of the Corey Truax Show. Honored to have you with us for this discussion today. As I hope it's the last time we have to talk about this Brett Kavanaugh thing. If you were listening uh, live on Saturday morning, as some of you do, there's all different kinds of ways to listen to the show. Uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Anchor, Stitcher, we're everywhere. It, it's funny, I have different audiences that listen different places, and so the timing of response is always different. Uh, but if you're listening on Saturday morning, you know this is not a surprise, I think. I, unless something came out this week to prove he's done something terrible, I hope we're waking up Saturday morning to him confirmed, or we're waking up to knowing a vote is, has, is taking place today uh, to get him on the Supreme Court. But here's what we've discussed thus far today. Their stories, the, the Kavanaugh versus Ford story, I actually think his story is a little more credible. There's more There's more meat to it. But if we just call them equally problematic or equally credible, then the tie should go to the accused. You, you can't... She's asking me to hurt him. He's not asking me to hurt her. And so I, I, I would like to go with... with a tie goes to the accused. That's a good way in, in the history of Western civilization to handle these things. That this can drive us, and it should drive us, to talk about a broader problem that we've not handled sexual assault. We have not... We have not inculcated the virtue of the humanity, the dignity of women. We've not done a good job of that in the United States, and we should address it. There is, number three, a dearth of thinking in America. We are bad at thinking. We, we confuse the different arguments for what we want to already believe, and it's, it's shown itself terribly throughout this ordeal. And then there are those things that if, if you oppose him because you don't like his philosophy and you oppose Kavanaugh because you think he was too emotional, you think he's an alcoholic, I don't agree with any of those, but at least that's, I think that's something you can hang your hat on that's uh, genuinely acceptable. Uh, there are unacceptable things. Like, you're just absolutely sure that everything he's accused of is true and you don't have enough evidence to claim that. You just believe it's true outright. You just believe it because you want to. That's unacceptable. It's illogical and it's irrational. But here's my, I think my final point today. There are those who oppose him because he's being used. He's being used as a surrogate, or he's being used as an avatar to punish all the unpunished men out there. The bottom line truth is there's a ton of men walking around who have assaulted women who don't even think they've assaulted them. They don't even think they've done a wrong thing, and they have. And he is being used by the, by the victims of men because they want punishment to go on somebody. Somebody has to take the punishment for what happened to me. And he is being unjustly, illogically, and irrationally used as that surrogate. And it's not right. This, is, this was most clear by the women who accosted, attacked Jeff Flake in that elevator. I was going to play their audio, but I don't want, them, I don't want anyone who hasn't heard it to hear it. I think it's, it's that disturbing, and it's that... I think it's damaging what those women did. Because if you did not hear, most of you probably did, there was a woman straight straight said the words. If you, I'm paraphrasing, but here's what she said. If you vote for him, if you're voting for him, you are saying my sexual assault doesn't matter. There was another one of them that, are, that was saying men do this all the time and you're about to put one of these men on the Supreme Court. I use this word specifically because words have meanings, they have definitions. That's psychotic. Psychosis means you you have detached from reality. The things you are thinking aren't part of the aren't part of that of that which is real. And so just to be denotative, if you vote for Brett Kavanaugh, 
madam, I am not saying, if I vote for Brett Kavanaugh, I'm not saying your sexual assault doesn't matter. You can take it that way, but that's psychotic, literally psychotic. As in, I am not saying those words. I don't feel that way. I don't think that way. Again, in a world where, let's say, Brett Kavanaugh is actually innocent because that's a real possibility, everybody. I'm not saying anything about you. I want to have sympathy for those ladies, but I also want to provide some moral clarity. That's just not psychotic. It's also really selfish. Let me say it as gently as I can. This isn't about you. My second point can be about you. The fact that this should cause some other conversations that I want to hear what what happened. And I want justice for you. But him going on the Supreme Court doesn't mean that your your assault doesn't matter. Your assault does matter. And Brett Kavanaugh can be on the Supreme Court. Both of those things can be true at the same time. That there needs to be some moral clarity on that. And where so for those women, what they're doing is they're using him as an avatar. I had a bad thing happen. I never got justice for that bad thing, and so I want justice now. That's not a, that's not a rational, reasonable thing to ask for. You can't ask Brett Kavanaugh to take the punishment for someone else's sins. For that lady, I do want justice for you. I even believe you. You just out because again, <laughs> go back going back to the beginning. There are two burdens here, two different standards. Just outright, I'm going to give you benefit of the doubt. You're a human being. You're saying a bad thing happened. I believe you. Now, when you ask me to take action after that, when you ask the American people to take action, when you are with Blazy Ford, you're actually asking, I want the, a decision made about this that affects the entire nation. Okay. I do believe you, but if you are asking for something that affects everybody, you do have to give me something. You have to give me reason, specifically if it is something that's going to hurt someone else, if you're asking for a punishment. And it is a punishment. It's just now striking me that someone might object to that. Well, that's not a punishment for Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, it is. Sure. I mean, if, if especially if he's innocent, which is, again, for some folks, this might blow, their, blow your mind. It, it's a real possibility he is 100% innocent of everything that's been said of him. It's, it is a possibility that this, this lady had a terrible thing happen, and she has applied it to Brett Kavanaugh. Even in previous years, she applied it. She, for some reason, saw him in the news, saw something like that. She associated him with that timeline or something, and she, she outright believes she's telling the truth. That's why she passed a polygraph. All that's possible, where she thinks it's him, and it's actually not. And he's worked his life for this moment. Again, not even a guy that he, he was number six out of my of the six finalists. When he was announced as one of the six finalists, he was the one I wanted the least. Him or Kethledge was the one I wanted the least. So not even with a ton of interest in defending him, but defending that this is a process that it needs more integrity to it. When you're asking me to take this from him, you got to give me more. And so as I say this midweek, recording a show that airs live on Saturday, this has been rough. It has torn at the fabric of the country. We were probably all, we were already broken beyond repair as a people. This made it worse. I saw somebody even saying, yeah, this sped up our, our race to a civil war. That's irresponsible. Don't want to use that kind of language. 
I'm hoping that we have him on the court. If we don't, we have a a, a partisan problem that I want to try to help solve, but I don't know how. I just don't know how to even get there. So to sum it up, she doesn't meet the standard of having us hurt him. I do want this to cause us to have a broader conversation about the issue we have with how we're dealing with women and sexual assault. There are reasons to argue against him, but the ones being used the most are not that good. If you want to continue this conversation, just contact the show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Let's do sports. We're certainly not going to struggle doing what we do this week, talking sports on the Corey Truax Show with our sports correspondent, Heath Powell. Hello there, sir. Hello. It's not exactly a slow news week. No, it's it's really not. Especially with what we talk <laughs> about in college football. Right. So let us start with the news of Kelly Bryant, quarterback for Clemson the last two years, demoted to backup, decides to leave the program. Your general reaction to everything you know thus far? Well, you know, it's kind of a perfect storm for Kelly. He, if he plays another down at Clemson, he's done. Um, if he leaves now, he can play – all next year, not have to sit out, not have to wait. You know, he's a graduate already, so, you know, if he stays at Clemson, he has no more eligibility left. I don't really blame him for leaving. I, I didn't really care for the way he went about it. And then the comments after he left, because obviously he got a fair shot. Mm-hmm. He had every opportunity to keep the job. Yep. It's just Trevor Lawrence is better. That's what it boils down to. I mean, it just really does. Talking about a fair shot, he was in a quarterback competition a year ago with Zarek Cooper, right. Hunter Johnson. And I think Hunter Johnson was the number one QB in that class. He was. And you won the job, man. You got a fair shot. When Kelly is named the starter, Trevor is, you know, the backup. They have three quarterbacks leave. Yeah. I mean, so it's a competition. That's why it's called that. And you competed with those guys before Trevor ever came, and you won. That's right. You should be proud of that. You obviously got a shot. Right. Because you beat out a bunch of guys. But here's the thing. Dabo and the coaches never told Kelly that he's not playing anymore. They never pulled his scholarship. Mm Mm-hmm. The only difference was Trevor was going to run out first for the first two series, and then Kelly's coming in the game. You know, yeah. that's the only change. And when you talk about the parts you don't blame him for, because I'll come back to the right. – he didn't handle it well. He's young. Right, he's, he's young, emotional. he's emotional. He's probably got all these people in his ear telling him how great he is and he didn't get a fair shot. That's right. His NFL hopes and dreams just went down the tubes. I mean, I know he's getting that advice from somebody. I don't mind at all that he wants to play. Yeah, right. We love – you and I – Love football. Right. And if I were 21 or 22 and you're telling me that I don't get to play as much. Right. And I, but I can save myself a year and go play football. Yeah, I, I I'm going to play. play a more limited role. And if I play another down, I'm pretty much done with my college career. I don't blame him for leaving. No. He had everything lined up with the new four-year redshirt rule where he could extend his career for another year. It's actually really high class of Dabo for not just – To not start him against Syracuse and then he's stuck. Because let me – Talks about how I think I might have handled this as a coach. Right. I can be everyone on my schedule playing both of them. And then sometime around the ACC championship game or the playoff, that's where, yeah, you're going to play, but we're starting him. Right. And start and really not really play you much. Right. That's probably how I do that. And Dad was a better guy than that's I am. That's probably how most coaches in America would have done that. Mm-hmm. Because there's not a game. He knew that him leaving was a possibility, and he gave him the option. There wasn't a game on the schedule that I needed Trevor Lawrence to be the starter. Right. Until you get to Georgia, Alabama, and right. you're, you're going to need the playoff, him. yeah. And the, so, uh, kudos to Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, I agree. For handling it that way. Uh, Kelly was just factually wrong about how he was handled. Right. You were, I, I don't know how the recruiting uh, conversations happened, but 
it, it does seem like the other quarterbacks that left left happy. They just knew they got they got beat out for the job. It happens, man. It happens. You're promised a chance to compete for the job. And it happens. You are not promised the job. I think this happens way more than we know. It just happens to the quarterback. Look, this happens every year at every school in the country. This mm-hmm. happens to Clemson every single year. Nuke shows up, starts. Sammy Watkins shows up, starts. Mitch Hyatt, true freshman, starts on the line. Dexter Lawrence, Dexter. Christian Wilkins, they show up, they start on the line. What does that mean? That means they knocked out an upperclassman off of the starting job. Well, like Scott Pagano. Like Scott Pagano. Scott Pagano would have been the starting defensive tackle. That's correct. After having an incredible game against Alabama in the national championship game. Right. But Dex comes in, he's just better, man. He's just better. And this he happens at every position group. Yeah. It's Look what ETN did at running back. Woo. Tavian Feaster is an upperclassman. Yep. ETN is named the starter. Why? Watch the games. He is obviously more productive in the system. One more question on Kelly. We'll move on. When you look out there at the landscape of college football, assuming he's going to transfer somewhere next year, what system do you like him in? Where do you think he fits? To me, his option, his best bet is Arkansas. Because Chad Morris, the former Chad Clemson Morris, coach. Chad Morris, Clemson, they're familiar with each other. The systems are kind of similar. Uh, also, Penn State for me. Okay. I think he does a lot of the stuff that they want, like McSorley is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, those two are, are – and he may not want to go as far as Pennsylvania. I don't know. To me, the best fit is Arkansas. Uh, you – you talked me into Penn State when we talked talk previously. I think right. watching the first quarter of the Clemson game, my immediate thing was my immediate thought was Auburn because yep. they run a, a running QB. Right. They also recruited him out of high school. I did not know that. As did Florida. And, and it's a big SEC program. Right. But Penn State's also quite the stage. Here's the thing: anywhere he goes, they only know he's a one year lease. Yes. And he's going to go on. He's right. out of time. Right. Um. But best wishes to him. Yeah, and I hope he does well wherever he goes. Even put it on Facebook. Look, stop hammering the kid. Let yeah. him go. Do what he needs to do. This is um. I don't think he's an NFL player. Right. But he can probably play professional football outside the NFL. There's other places you can play. I think he can play professionally. I don't think he can play as a quarterback. No. And I, I don't think he's fast enough to be a receiver, not big enough to be a tight end. Right. Just one of those situations. Great athlete. I bet he can play in Canada. Yep. I bet he can play in Europe because there's a European league. Mm-hmm. But you're not playing quarterback in this league. Not uh, in the NFL, no. No, you're you're not one of the best 106. Right. You know, <laughs> I, we've seen really good quarterbacks in college fail. Just can't do it. It's right. it's a hard league. Okay, then moving on to the actual Clemson and Syracuse game. Uh, first, just Dino Babers. Any reaction to how his game plan caused? Like his game plan seems to make the defense struggle. Right. He, he's he's a great coach. First of all, he schemes well. Mm-hmm. Um, he he tries to hit you hard where your weaknesses are. Um, and and also Clemson coming into this game has a lot of X factors and drama leading up to the game. You got wide receivers suspended. You got a cornerback suspended. I mean, you got Kelly leaving all Injured the media. Suspended. They were suspended for that game. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought they were just one hurt. One was academic. One was something with team rules. Huh. Uh, Mark Fields. He was suspended, and Cornell Powell was suspended. Um, so they didn't get to play at all. When I see did not play, I make the assumption of injury, and so I just I made the assumption. I no, no Cornell Powell was something okay. academic, and Mark Fields okay. was something as far as team rules. Do you think that team came out distracted? Clemson came out distracted Saturday by everything's going on. And I think they were as focused as they could be. Okay. Not only that, but once they start getting in a rhythm, then Trevor Lawrence gets hurt. Then you add that onto the pile. You know, Chase Bryce – and look, you got to give Chase Bryce all the credit in the sure world. Sure do. I mean, he was obviously nervous when he – you know, his first few series. I think the coaches were smart by establishing – I mean, if they ever established a run game, it was in this this game. Oh, yeah. Especially that third <laughs> uh, fourth you, quarter. You let him get comfortable, let him throw a few passes – um, his fourth and sixth throw was on point to T. Higgins. I thought they did well. Mm-hmm. I think this win does more for the team than anything else that could have happened. If Trevor Lawrence comes out and throws six touchdowns, it's not a big deal. 
Yep. That's a really great point in terms of uh, synergy. Unity, synergy, Bre- and camaraderie, and brotherhood. You know, all the sports cliches people say, well, this was it. But this is real. It's real, yeah. Uh, um, can you get a reaction to Amari Rogers and his dropping of punts? Yeah. Look, he is normally very sure-handed. I don't, it seemed to me like he had something on his mind. I don't know if he had. Maybe all this. Uh, maybe Kelly. all this, and he's feeling the pressure of trying to make plays happen. It was an anomaly for him, so I don't really didn't hammer him too bad, which I appreciate about Dabo. He drops the punt. First guy over there on the bench talking to him. Dabo's got his arm around him in his ear, and then they run him right back out there and let him keep going. So, yeah, um, I, I don't hammer him for that. The I, I, I was upset by it. I was upset because I was like, <laughs> here we go again. I, I thought know. we got rid of Ray Ray McLeod and Adam Humphreys. Yeah, but Humphreys was the worst. I mean, come on. Amari Rogers is normally very sure-handed. He makes big plays. I think he felt a lot of pressure. Plus, he's got all this drama that's mm-hmm. leading up, and it really has nothing to do with these kids. But they have to deal with it, deal yeah. with the questions, deal with family members, all the texts, all the tweets, yeah. all the Instagram, all this nonsense. One final point on that game. It felt to me what happened was the offensive coordinators and and Travis Etienne decided, you're going to go in the game. Number nine, it's on you. No, in the third quarter, Dabo even sent his fresh conference. I got with the coordinators and the coach, and I said, look, this is going to have to be one in the old school style. Oh, uh, he even made a joke about Danny Ford somewhere drinking a beer, laughing because <laughs> that's just smash mouth football. Yeah. And you run it. He's right. And you run it down their throats, and they know you're going to run it, and they can't stop you. I went back and watched it because I couldn't watch it live. Right. There were eight man boxes where I was like, check out of the run. Don't run here. No, no, no. It was an eight man box, and they are huge gaps. And not only the, was the blocking fantastic, ETN hardly ever goes down with the first and second hit. He just keeps moving forward. He's extremely hard to handle. Yeah. But even Feaster and Choice, and I mean, they all did well. Yeah, it was a great running day. Right. I, I think it was 300 yards rushing. I, was, I think it was like 299. Yeah. They almost made it. Well, we will uh, do some other things besides Clemson talk next week, but big stories this week. We will talk about South Carolina. Yeah, well, they might not want to talk about it. I hate it for them, but they might not want to. Yeah, it was. I don't think it's on South Carolina as much as Kentucky is ascending right now, and they have they are very talented. That could be it. Yeah. All right, we'll do more of that next week. Thanks for doing sports. I appreciate we'll it. We'll come back with another new edition of the show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.